a calm, beautiful podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Ah, no. You're listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. It is Saturday, January 23rd. And Luke, what a week for the Biden administration. What a, what a week indeed. Hey, a moving inauguration. Uh, what I thought was a master, masterfully uh, handled uh, concert for America in lieu of the the usual, you know, uh, you know, balls and whatnot. And my God, if you know, if, if they put on that kind of fireworks display uh, because of a new president, you you have to assume the the previous president might not have been so good <laughs> right right well you know and people are saying you know some people are saying well biden's inauguration speech i felt was was phenomenal but i think i think the normalcy of it really took people by surprise because normal now is is weird to a lot of folks yeah i was listening listening to one of uh you know one of my pods uh that i listened to the 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 uh, uh crooked media guys that used to work for Barack in in the obama presidency and so they know joe biden really well but uh you know they were commenting that um oh and i should point out you know john john favreau was one of uh, Obama's top, you know, lead speechwriters, and and helped with both of Obama's uh, inaugurals, and he had, you know, he made it a, he pointed it out that you know this is normal, that that crazy shit, that, <laughs> or ex- excuse me, that that crazy, that the do you do you remember that uh, Trump's American carnage speech at the inauguration yes. four years yes. ago, to which George W. Bush himself apparently quoted afterwards as saying well, that was some crazy shit right there right <laughs> you know? right like this is normal what has happened over the past 4 years was abnormal you know and that's what we have to you know get our head wrapped around is that this is what a presidency be them republican or democrat this is how a president sounds this is how a president behaves and you know and this is how a president gets to work the minute that they're sworn in so i, yes, I just hope yes people can Speaking embrace that to work right so as of well 18 hours ago uh president biden has officially signed 
30 executive orders from oh, yeah. the economy to COVID relief to additional LGBTQ plus. Yes. Protections. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Along with uh, requiring, I just, I mean, it just never even occurred to me, but, you know, requiring masks on all public lands, you know, and people are like, well, how does that affect me? Oh, I don't know. Do you want to go to a national park? Yeah, right. You're right. going to have to wear a mask. Transportation, public transportation. Yeah. Yep. 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 You know, it, it is. I just cannot believe that. Well, I can't. Unfortunately, I can believe that the previous administration did not have that in place yet. I just so yeah, I mean, it is it is you know, and people are like, oh, he's doing so much by executive action, uh, more so than Obama and Trump combined in his in his first 48 hours. Well, he really didn't have a choice, right, Bobby? Right, there there was right. just too much that needed to get done immediately. Yeah. So immediately, you know, especially you know, pertaining to and surrounding COVID. You know, it's just not COVID relief and 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 the monetary stuff that he's trying to get out to the you know to to every citizen in the United States. It's actions to prevent additional spread, additional infection. Uh, there, and Anthony Fauci just this morning, um, mm -hmm. his first pr uh, his first press briefing, and we'll get more into it. A question was asked about if he thought that the vaccines was adequate for all the mutations going on and at that time the answer was they thought based on the data that yes the vaccines from pfizer and moderna and coming from johnson and johnson are effective on the mutations well 48 hours later new data that fauci and the task force and the who have been provided that doesn't seem that is the case Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's going to be uh, additional testing that's that's going to happen and all that. So it's 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 just interesting now when new data is provided, you know, Fauci has the autonomy and, you know, the power to say, hey, what I told you two days ago, the data has changed that. And now the press briefings and all the you know, everything surrounding covid is factual based on science we're not making shit up yep. anthony fauci was asked a few questions in his first uh press briefing uh, and he honestly he didn't have the answer quite yet yeah and so he didn't answer the question he didn't Power. stand up there and make shit up yep. he didn't stand up there and say this will be gone by easter there's only so many people that are going to get it and it's going to go away mysteriously he just simply said, I don't know, but I'll find the answer for you, which was yeah. just, you know, normal. You know, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, if when when you were an intern, you know, in yeah. Washington, if you didn't yeah. know the answer, you just didn't make shit up. That's right. That's right. The very first thing I was, you know, because when you are an, an incoming new intern uh, in a in a congressional office, typically one of the first things that you are trained on is how to work the phones because, you know, the, the phones are always ringing. And the very first part of that training was never lie to a constituent. If you don't know the answer, say that. 
say, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to take your contact information. I'm going to write down your question verbatim, and I'm going to get it to the uh, legislative aid that handles that particular topic and, you know, get the answer and we will get back to you and follow, you know, the, the, the death nail in any intern's uh, coffin was then not actually following up with that constituent. And leaving right. them, leaving them hanging. And this was in the '90s, in the early days of email. We definitely had email, but a lot of constituents. You know, I, I interned for a uh, a senator from from Kansas because I was, you know, going to college in Kansas City, and uh, so a lot of times that meant actually calling back that constituent and giving them the information that they were looking for. And that's right. just how you did it. That is the kind of accountability that government officials, uh, you know, they owe that to their constituents to always, always level with them, always tell them the truth. And I was so delighted in Joe's inauguration address that he said exactly that. You know, it is my solemn oath, he said, that I will always level with you. You know, and that is, good God, how refreshing is that? Yeah, the new normal. And it's going to take some time. You know, it'll take some time for people to get used to the transparency, the honesty, factual based evidence. Mm -hmm. And now it's, you know, you know, understanding the data is going to be driving everything from this point forward. Yep. yep. You know, we're still going to hear people. Well, that can't be right. That data is wrong. And, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. just like, well, you know, they're doing the best they can. But yet Correct. if they went to their doctor based on evidence, okay, you're getting an evaluation from your doctor. Are you going to question your doctor? Yes. Your I mean, personal health professional and say, oh, you're full of shit. Yeah. But that's what we're going to have yet from, from the right. Oh yeah. And you oh, know, yeah. the Trump supporters is nothing. No data is, is going to be correct. It's going right. to be, you know, it's, it, you know, you know it, it just blows my mind that, yeah. You know, 12 months, right? We're 12 months from the first case being reported in the United States. That's right. Just past the year to the day. Yeah. We're finally, finally taking national steps to prevent the spread using data and facts to drive the, the actions and reactions. And yet people still are, are, are questioning the data that our health professionals are using. Yeah, it is. And we're going to get into uh, some of the uh, social media reactions that are already coming out of the right flank. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it is just, it's fucking crazy. And good God, excellent, excellent argument point there, Bobby. So if you go in to your doctor and heaven forbid, knock wood, they're like, well, the tests are showing that you have uh, that you have this kind of cancer. Right. Are you going to look at your doctor and say, bullshit, I don't trust your data. Right. You know, yeah, you might. Yeah, your you tests might, are bullshit. You know, your tests are bullshit. These numbers are bullshit. That's not true. You know, I'm <laughs> like, no, you wouldn't do. As, well, excuse me. A sane person would not do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, look, we've got so much to get into. We'll get into it on the other side today for the intro music. I've got some Dua Lipa featuring Please. the baby. Bye-bye. So we'll get into it on the other side. Let's do it.
billboard, baby, do a leap and make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. Okay, it looks like we have some technical issues, so we'll just keep rolling. <laughs> Again, folks, coming at you live. No edits, no cuts. We just yep, give you yep. give you what Colorado you give you. Springs, Luke's in and West Hollywood, and we do our best to facilitate the audio files with the different steps required. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's all right. That's and that that's the way it is. I just I was mid dance move. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So been... so let's let's jump into the inauguration. Yes, uh, please. What a what a day. Show, stole mm -hmm. the show. Mm -hmm. Mr. Amanda Gorman. Fantastic. A Los Angelino, born yep. and raised here in the city. Went uh, K through twelve to the Crossroads School, which I actually. Uh, remember, uh, you know, I, I have a history in education, and so I know some educators at that school and actually have a colleague whose daughter currently goes to that school. It is one of the one of the best. If you want your child to have a truly uh, and when I say progressive, I, I, I feel like that word has been bastardized for some reason. A progressive education is not a bad Thing, okay, right. a, prog a progressive education doesn't mean that you're being, um, you know, socialized and uh, made into little AOCs or something. No, that's not what that means. A progressive right. education is that <laughs> mean it's a truly child-based education that comes, you know, that whose teachers use the best, uh oh, data, knowledge, pedagogy. To yeah. offer the children's children the best opportunity, uh, you know, at a stellar uh, education, and it's not necessarily just about uh, as as was very clearly on display with Miss Amanda Gorman. It's not about you know passing tests and all that bullshit. It's about developing the whole individual, you know, developing the whole the whole child, and allowing that child to you know identify their passion and grow in. That that passion. And Miss Gorman from a very early age had a passion for writing and for literature. And she was, you know, she was given the opportunity to allow those talents to flourish. The other thing that Crossroads is very proud of is their dedication to social justice. You know, even before uh, the events of this past summer, they were teaching social justice in the classroom, what that looks like, what that sounds like, what that feels like. And uh, that was clearly on display. So I, I don't want to take away from Miss Gorman's incredible talents in and of herself. But, you know, this is an example of an outstanding education and, and what it can do for an individual. Right. Right. You know, I had not heard of her before, uh, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Mm -hmm. I was blown away by by her words, her delivery, her inflections on on the the words that she had written. And I did, you know, a quick search on Google and started, you know, going down the rabbit hole on YouTube. And I mean, she is just an extremely talented uh smart 
Um, her, you know, her, her writing is, you know, obviously awesome, mm -hmm. but when, but you know, it's kind of like, she's telling a story and she makes those, those words come alive with, you know, she uses her hands all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was phenomenal. And I think, you know, she's, you know, we're going to hear, hear from her. And I think she's going to do, do a lot, you know, in the future. Yeah, uh, I couldn't. I could not agree more with her. Just, in just, just epic storytelling. You know, in a little yes. under five minutes, she took us from when day comes. We ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? All the way to for there is always light if we're brave enough to see it. If we're only if only we're brave enough to be it. I mean, right. it just was, it was a journey. It had, uh, it, it definitely had, you know, strokes of the greats in there. I, I, I felt, you know, Maya Angelou, yep. you know, and, and, and all of the, 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 you know, people that she cite as her influences growing up. And it just was amazing. You know, youngest, youngest poet laureate ever, youngest, uh, poet to ever speak at an inauguration, 22 years old. I mean, what, what, what were you doing at 22, Bobby? I was uh, running scores. I was not <laughs> a poet by any stretch. <laughs> right. Um. right. I, I certainly wasn't, I certainly wasn't doing this and that her depth of knowledge and understanding of the struggle and, you know, everything, you know, she got it all in there. You know, it was everything from what we've dealt with 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 the pandemic, to you know the the social rising. Um, just, it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful, and you know, she she looked stunning. She carried herself with such poise, but you could also tell just for a flicker at the end that she was just giddy with excitement at at that what she had just pulled off. And I, uh, wow. Wow, how proud must her mother be? Just you know, just fantastic. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It was the only moment, period, the only moment during you know the inauguration where I didn't, I didn't look at my phone. I, I wasn't, you know, I was just transfixed on on her and on, and her words. And then, like you said, that the hand gestures and everything. She just was so connected and in tune with the moment. And uh, yeah, yeah, could not agree with you more. We hadn't even discussed this ahead of time, but I also would would, would concur. Stole the show, hands down. Period. Yeah. You and, know, and you we, know, there were artists. I mean, Lady Gaga saying, you know, saying I thought she sounded great, looked you know, great. Can I can I just quickly m mention Lady Gaga and you know people because as you re might remember uh, she sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago yeah a few years back and it was a much more bravado big showy national anthem because that's what's expected at the Super Bowl right, right. this you know was a not a somber event but you know a, a kind of was a somber event as we, you know, just the night before we had finally had our first national uh, memorial to the 400,000 that we lost. And I, I felt that her rendition of the national anthem met the moment perfectly. Uh, 
Right. Uh, and it goes without saying, if you all know what a fashion junkie I am, uh, I thought her her outfit was spectacular. And to the conspiracy theorists out there, that was not a Mockingjay, as much as we would all like to have thought it was. A uh, little Hunger Games reference there. Yeah. <laughs> It was uh, it was very obviously a dove with a uh, uh, an olive branch in its mouth in its beak, which is obviously the universal sign of peace right. and unity. Right. And that was the message she was trying to to send. And I think she did a masterful job doing it. Now, I would love to hear your opinion of our other performer on the stage that day. The one and only Miss Jennifer Lopez. I thought she sounded really good for the song she was singing. Her control, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she's performed live in award shows and all that stuff, and didn't always sound good. But I right. thought right. she was she was phenomenal. She mm -hmm. had control, and you know, after you know, after her, then it was Garth Brooks, and it was cool yeah. to see Garth yeah. kind of. I thought you know, Garth did a nice job as well. Yeah. Hugged the Clintons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I thought everybody sounded really good. Yeah, they did a, you know, yeah I think, uh, you know, J-Lo and Garth both are not known as, you know, Lady Gaga is known for being an out outstanding, phenomenal, generational vocalist. You know, right. that is what she is known for. You know, J-Lo and Garth Brooks, not so much. And they both, I think, did wonderful, you know, met the moment. I I even appreciated how J-Lo shoehorned a little bit of Let's Get Loud in there and uh, <laughs> actually yeah. said with, with, with unity and justice for all in Spanish, that's what she she put in there, and I thought it was great. And then, yes, I thought it was fantastic. You know, being a being a '90s kid, growing up in in Seward, Nebraska, and you know, doing a little line dancing myself, <laughs> friends and low friends in low places to right. to this day is one of my go to uh, karaoke songs. Uh, you know, when we used to be able to go to karaoke. But anyway, uh, yeah. I thought he did great. And then, yes, I also thought it was great the way he embraced the former presidents and first ladies and and just also looked just thrilled to be there, right. <laughs> which was right. which was f fantastic. And, of course, because J-Lo was there, uh, A-Rod got to be there as well, if yeah. you noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, side note here, what what are your feelings and thoughts on A-Rod? I I mean <laughs> I Bobby, I'm just gonna leave it at this. I I I you mean Mr. Jennifer Lopez? Yes. <laughs> I mean that's basically that's basically how I see him now. Gotcha. I, I don't know. Gotcha. <laughs> what, what, what are your what are your thoughts there, Bobby? Yeah, I concur. And we can move on. <laughs> okay. Well, of course, the 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 moment that uh, you know, little girls and women across the the world were waiting for came, and that was when one Miss Kamala Harris was officially sworn in as the first female, first black, and first. Uh, person of Asian heritage to be sworn in as vice president of the United States. And her two just 
I mean, even when she came in uh, in the beginning under her mask, you could tell that she was just beaming yes. and, you know, just truly, truly excited to represent, as she always said, yes, she may be the first, but she certainly will not be the last in right. that uh, rang true in that moment. And then, of course, to have the first ever Latina uh, uh, Supreme Court justice swear her in, it, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And brought a, won't, won't lie, I, I shed quite a few tears throughout the day, and that was certainly one of them, because I just think about you know, that glass ceiling that came so close to being shattered four years ago and Hillary was shattered four years. Yeah. And, right. You know, and Hillary was right there looking stunning in purple as always. It's got to be her favorite color. <laughs> right. um, and, uh, you know, it just was, it was the whole moment was fantastic. And, and then, then I thought it was really that, cool. Yeah. I thought it was really mm -hmm. cool later on when, when Kamala was, was swearing in, you know, the new senators and explaining mm -hmm. the Senate, the new senator from from uh, for California, uh, taking yeah. her seat and and then and then say, stating something to the tune of Kamala Harris becoming vice president of the United States, and then everybody in the chamber was clapping and cheering. Uh -huh. uh -huh. So, yeah, that was a you know a great moment. Yeah, no, that was fantastic, and I think she even made a little comment about. This is kind of weird, you know, swearing in your replacement. So it just, she brings such a fresh connectability to mm -hmm. the office, you know, like it's somebody that we can relate to on, on such that I think so many Americans can relate to on such a deep level that, uh, that I think it, it's fantastic. And then of course the, the man of the hour, you know, Joe Biden, sworn in with the uh, not the largest family Bible I've ever seen in my life, but right, a beautiful, right. beautiful Bible indeed. But, uh, and we'll get to his speech here in a moment because I want to kind of dig into that. But have you seen the meme online of Barack Obama's face while Joe Biden is being sworn in? Yeah, I actually posted on Facebook as uh, kind of a screen capture to that, and it says yeah. what, what real friends, yeah, uh, look like when it's your time to shine, and just yeah. the smile, and you know, you could tell that Obama was proud. Yeah, you, you, I mean, just the pride and joy, uh, you know, you know, it just. You know, it's not lost. You know, the moment itself obviously is not lost on, you know, Barack Obama having been there himself. But also, you know, it, it, they really did become very, very close friends, you know, during the course of Obama's ad, ad, uh, presidency. And, you know, Joe Biden, you know, for, for those of you who have been under a rock, <laughs> was sworn in uh, to the Senate when he was 29 years old shortly thereafter lost his wife and young daughter and then spent the next uh you know 18 years or so uh traveling back and forth uh to to be with his boys for dinner every night while remaining as you know in the senate 
Uh, he, he also ran for president uh, several times prior uh, to this yep. to no avail. And I think, you know, a lot of times we say that we hope that the president rises to the moment, you know, that was, I remember, good God, not to talk about him too much, but last, you know, four years ago, everybody was like, oh, he's going to grow into the job. He's going to grow into the job. You know, Joe, on the other hand, has arrived at the moment that needs him. Right. You know, he, he, he could not be more perfect for what America needs in a president right now in this moment. And he touched on a lot of those themes during his inaugural address. Yes. Um, you know, like, like you were saying, Bobby, a lot of, you know, there, there, there have been critics, good God. And we'll get into the, uh, we're just a few days into it and the, the social media wars have already begun, but, there were there those critics that were like, oh, you know, the speech wasn't big enough for the moment, or it wasn't, you know, grand enough, and there wasn't weren't enough of these, you know, uh, you know, flares of, you know, of ver verbosity and this not and not. And first of all, that's not Joe Biden's style. Never has been. Never will be. Right. Uh, Even debate that wasn't his thing. You know. Correct. Correct. But if I could just quote quickly, you know, because of the fact that Joe Biden had no choice but to recognize what happened at the Capitol just two weeks prior to that. And right. he also had no choice but to recognize the fact that that insurrection was led by groups such as the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, the Boogaloo Boys, what a name. Uh, what do all of these groups have in common? They are white supremacist groups. There's right. no way around it. They, they can call themselves American nationalists or whatever the hell that they want to call themselves. They are white supremacists. And for the first time ever in an inaugural address, the words white supremacy were uttered by the president. Joe, understanding that well, first of all, you know, Joe's whole theme through this entire, entire uh, campaign has been a battle for the soul of the nation and the absolute necessity of unity, you know, unity amongst our people. Yes. And so for the for the normal American hearing him speak, well, if he only stuck to that message of unity, you're like you want me to unify with these people that just tried to overthrow our government. And he put in a very subtle nod, you know, to that is not the case. And if I can just read a quick passage here where that comes and it's our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we all created, that we are all created equal and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, ding, 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 mm -hmm. fear, and de uh, demonization have long torn us apart. The battle is perennial. The victory is never assured. Through the Civil War, the Great Depression, World Wars, 9-11, through struggle, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. 
in each of these moments, enough of us came together to carry all of us forward. Right. And that was very, very clearly a shot across the bow of, I am not condoning what these people did. I do not agree with what these people did. I am not asking you to do that. But I am saying that if you can find it in your heart to come together with that person that may have disagreements on this policy or that policy, or, you know, maybe they were a Donald Trump supporter, but they certainly are not the type of Donald Trump supporter that, that, you know, bludgeoned a Capitol Hill police officer to death. You know, if enough of us, if enough of us blue versus red, black versus white, if we can just come together, we are going to get through, we are going to get through this, um, this, uh, uh, this pandemic, and we are going to get through, um, you know, the, the things that divide us and come together as a nation for social justice, equity and schooling and opportunity, all of the things that America was supposed to be built on. If enough of us come together, we will be able to do that. If we can just treat each other with dignity and respect. Right. You so. know, this, this administration completely understands, right? They understand the numbers, right? The numbers start with 75 million people voted for Trump. A lot of those people are QAnon supporters, QAnon advocates. They belong to various conspiracy theory groups. So when Joe said, if enough of us, right, he's not saying all of us or 95%, mm -hmm. you know, enough of us in the majority yeah. would be enough to move, move our country forward. And, right. you know, I think legally, Right. I think in the coming years, when when the government is, you know, they have legislation that takes care of Proud Boys organizations, domestic terrorism, you know, the policies right now on domestic terrorism are, are, are very slim. Um, so I think that's going to change in in the House and the Senate. They'll be able to actually call out these people for what they are, the, you know, when it comes to, you know, not just who they are and, and what they do, but, you know, radicalizing people on, on Facebook and Twitter, you know, to join the organizations. You know, I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of people that are going to be, you know, facing, you know, law when it comes to going to prison, going to jail, right. you know, but we're not there yet. So, right. you know, the Proud Boys are very outspoken. You know, they're out with what they want to accomplish, how they want to do it. They don't give a shit who they hurt. And, you know, so I think eventually we'll get to the point, Luke, where Proud Boys will be listed on FBI and in whatever list as domestic terrorists. And there'll be laws to deal with those types of people. But until we yeah. get there, right? You know, mm -hmm. Joe isn't saying, hey, you know, we want all 75 or expect all 75 million people to get on board with this. But, you know, even if it's 5 percent, 10 percent of that 75 mm -hmm. million, you know, he, he, yeah. you know, 
enough of us in the majority to move us forward. And that's the goal. Yeah. You know, and, and again, there were flashes of this throughout uh, his inaugural address that, you know, we, we've, you know, we, we, the the moment is 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 a historic of historic challenge you know uh but if enough of us can just have show some dignity and respect for one another then we'll be able to do that and i i, I don't know if you caught it but when he was swearing in his staff members uh which was a very you know COVID moment as well. It was him alone in a room with Kamala, I believe, behind him, and uh, two giant flat screen TVs set up about with a you thousand know, people thousand, on <laughs> about a thousand people on 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 video messenger. And his final message to them was, "If I ever hear any of you show disrespect or speak down to one another, I'll fire you on the spot." Yeah, you know that was. Yep, that was very clearly a message of this bullshit of you know fighting amongst each other and putting each other down and disrespecting ideas. This ends now, and if you're right. going to be part of this team, you know you you have you there if you and you do that, there will be hell to pay. And right. that is again, that is just who Joe Biden is he's just such a fundamentally good person that you know that's why i say that you know this moment needs joe biden you know yes. joe joe you know yes all presidents rise to the moment but joe is joe is so uniquely qualified to be president in this moment and uh as i posted you know on on facebook uh after the let me think of it bobby a year since the first diagnosed case, mm -hmm. 400,000 Americans have lost their lives. Mm -hmm. And the night before inauguration, Tuesday night, was the first time an American, well, soon to be American president, recognized and actually spoke aloud about the pain and suffering that this nation is experiencing. He is uniquely qualified, and this is what I said in my post, to be our grief counselor in chief. Uh, it had it had echoes of when Barack Obama took to the podium after the Sandy Hook massacre. Now, you know, it, it is what presidents do. They recognize that my nation is hurting, and I am going to go out and show everyone that it's okay to hurt. I'm hurting too. Let's grieve together. And that right there was, you know, like game on. You know, things are, things are, you know, I don't know if things will ever be quote unquote normal per se, but at least we have somebody in the office that understands what being the president of this great nation really truly means. Right. And the day of inauguration, you know, if you remember, we set another record, right? It was a record day and we've had records since. Number of deaths on Inauguration Day was over 4,000. So if you Jesus. take that in consideration and compare those numbers to 9-11, we basically are having a 9-11 every 14 hours in this country right now. That's right. That's right. And again, hours. And yet people this was say mask mandate is bullshit. I'm not wearing a mask. Oh, my gosh. 
I just can't anymore with the anti-maskers. I mean, they're 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 even saying that once they're they're even saying that once you get your vaccine, you should still be wearing a mask because the vaccine keeps you from getting sick, right. but it does not keep you from transmitting. If you have something hanging out in your nasal cavity, you could still, the aerosol could still carry to others. Yes. Again, as always, it is about keeping everyone safe. Right. It is not about you or you feeling that you're, you know, your butt hurt because you think your civil liberties are being trampled on. They're not, you know, right. again, if you wear your fucking seatbelt when you get into the car, it is no different than that. It is a mask. It is simple. Just wear it. And, you know, Joe, you know, with, with issuing that mask mandate and saying, look, folks, I just love how he let, like, when he says, look, folks, I, I you know, something good's coming. Right. 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 <laughs> and he, he just, he let, and that's what he said, you know, it, his, it, it, you know, he swears to God, it is my sacred oath that I will level with you because I will be a president for all Americans. You know, yeah. no more of this bullshit about blue state, red state. I don't like you. You didn't vote for me. Blah, blah, blah. Wham, wham, wham. This man understands that once you become president, you are more than a Republican or a Democrat. You are the president for all 330 plus million Americans and everyone who lives in this country. And for him to say, you know, that it is his sacred oath that he will level with us and tell us the truth in everything. Uh, what a, what a refreshing, what a refreshing moment. Right. Well, and he was honest too, you know, even with these executive orders, even with, you know, activating FEMA and the national guard and the mandatory mask mandates on government property and public transportation, you know, him and Fauci have both said this week that it's, it, we we have yet to hit the worst part of this pandemic. So, pe you know, people thinking, well, you know, it's almost coming to an end. You know, you start seeing people talking. You know, I've seen yeah. people, hey, uh, we're looking for, you know, to do a vacation in, in uh, April or May or something like that. And it's like, you know, yeah, people are still short-sighted. Reservations. Yeah. to come. I mean, forty-five hundred yeah. deaths a day. It could easily get to six thousand deaths a day. I, I and and sadly, I think we will. Um, yeah. We also are facing monumental challenges in getting these vaccines, you know, rolled out. Uh, they they. I'm quoting uh, the you know L KTLA morning news this morning was saying that at the pace at the pace that california is currently distributing vaccines it would take until june 2022 mm. to vaccinate every resident of california mm. so you know there, there clearly is a lot of work that needs to be done for these senators like Mitt Romney, of all people, saying that we just passed a big COVID relief bill. Why do we need another COVID relief bill? Well, because that COVID relief bill, because of the Republican caucus, had very little money in it for states to right. handle COVID. And if you're going to say 
states are in charge of the distribution, well, they need the money to activate the, you know, to do things like activate the National Guard. I'm, right. I'm excited that, you know, Joe has already said that he is looking into activating FEMA um, because, you know, to set up vaccination, you know, we're, we're you know, we, all of the flowery rhetoric, rhetoric that we talked about in the last pod about we don't want this to seem weird. We want people to just get the vaccine at their doctor's office or at Walgreens. Yeah, at, fuck that. We are at we are, we are, we are at the event horizon. Okay. Set up the tents, get the people in, get the shots in the arms, period. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci was asked, you know, this week, well, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, states are saying there's, there's like no inventory. I think it was Mm -hmm. state of, I think it was the state of California actually, um, if they didn't get more, they were going to be out by today. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it sounds like that we didn't secure enough. Obviously Pfizer offered the, you know, the United States umpteen chances to secure hundreds of millions of doses. The, the Trump administration did not do that. And now everybody is, you know, feeling feeling that because we simply don't have the inventory so right it's you know we want to get ramped up and i you know i love how 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 free dr Fauci, uh, dr fauci has been this week with with the facts but oh isn't it great you know it's going to take some time to ramp this up when you've got millions of people that are been waiting you know yeah 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 i get asked all the time, um, you know, working in the cannabis industry. So, uh, you know, my clients have, you know, hundreds of employees that have been interacting with the public throughout this entire, entire pandemic. You know, they never shut down the dispensaries or the delivery services because here in California, like in most states, uh, you know, cannabis is considered medicinal. Uh, unfortunately, those working in the cannabis industry are not considered, and for good reason. I'm not advocating for this, so don't come at me. <laughs> but, you know, they're not considered uh, uh, healthcare workers; they're considered, you know, retail workers. And so, uh, you know, we just we, you know, and, you know, and so that puts them further down, uh, all the way down into phase two, I believe. And we just we're we're just not getting anywhere with phase one right now. We just opened it up uh, to those 65 and older and people are showing up at the, you know, making their appointments online and showing up at these mass vaccination centers only to be turned away because that day's uh, inventory is gone. And so they've waited for four hours for their shot only to be told, well, come back and try again tomorrow morning. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's it's you know, it, it is something that needs to be worked on. And um, yeah, you know, the, the other piece of this is that covid is one of, you know, multiple crises. You know, we, we have Joe called them cascading crises of our era. You know, we have, yes, obviously covid and the you know, the horrific effects it's had on our economy. 
we still have a lot to do in terms of what, how are we truly going to uh, face the problem of social justice in America? How are we going to get money to our law enforcement agencies for basically retraining and in 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 helping you know leaders better understand what di diversity truly looks and feels and sounds like. We have the climate crisis that is not going away. Period. It it is here. It is upon us. Uh, we are already seeing the effects of it. Um, you know, we we just have all these things. Any one any one of these crises would be hard enough to deal with. But this right. administration has all of them to deal with. And like Joe said in his inaugural address, you know, 50 to 100 years ago, when the kids are reading or are watching the holograms or whatever they'll be doing of, of this chapter in American history, what what are they going to say? What are they going to say about how we stepped up to handle the urgency of this moment? There's no more kicking the can down the road. It's upon us and we have to come to, we have no choice but to come together as a country and, and, and deal with these issues now. Yeah. You know, uh, we can't blame, you know, as much as we love to, and obviously a year of not doing anything by the previous administration, you know, we're at because of a lack of execution, a lack of a plan, but now mm -hmm. looking forward, right? So the plan is to get 70 to 85% of the United States inoculated. Currently right. this morning, as it sits, we're at five and a half percent. Right. Right. So we've got a very, very long way to go, and everybody's got to do their part. Stop spreading the virus. Wear your fucking mask. Mm -hmm. Socially mm -hmm. distance. Uh, when you go into yeah. the grocery store, you know we've got oh, sanitizer God. in yes. the truck. That's the first thing we do. Mm -hmm. We get yep. home. Yep. We wash your hands. I mean, common sense shit that Fauci and Dr. Burks have been saying since day one is what mm -hmm. other countries have done. Other countries have gotten it under control. Yes, they've had additional spikes, and, and, and then they go back to doing what works. We've got to do what works now because we're, we're losing almost 5,000 of you know souls a day. 5,000. Yeah, yeah one, of, um, one of the, the last posts I had in education was the extreme honor of acting as the uh, uh, the well serving as the acting provost of a of a small uh, arts college here in Los Angeles the Los Angeles uh, Academy of figurative art and one of our uh, really uh, top graduates who went on to the uh, New York uh, Academy of Art to do her master's work is a resident of New Zealand. And they are currently working on uh, her husband's uh, paperwork to be able to go to New Zealand because I'm sure you probably know why I'm bringing this up. Uh, mm -hmm. New Zealand has officially been declared COVID free. Now, yes, 
COVID, it, New Zealand's a much smaller country than us. It is an island. I understand all of these things, but the way in which Jacinda Barrett and her administration handled COVID from the jump, and then you know, you know, handled everything, you know, following that ha has been a example of how to get things done. Uh, very similarly, they're not completely eradicated yet, but darn close, the Philippines. Another, yep. yes, I understand, island nation, but have done an incredibly good job in driving COVID out of their nation. Why? Because when their people were told to shelter in place, when their people were told to wear masks, when their people were told to socially distance, they did it. Right. No argument, no bullshit. It's my duty as a citizen of this country to help my fellow New, New Zealander and I'm going to do this. It just, God, I, the, you know what I think the biggest scourge in America is? Selfishness. Just yep. unbridled selfishness. And if for one minute, every single man, woman, and child in this country could think about somebody other than themselves, I think that we would get, get things done a lot faster. A well, lot, you know, a lot the great faster. Good. Right, those other countries are are socially distancing, are wearing the yeah. mask, are yeah. doing what they're told for the greater good of the country, and it was you know easily understood that once you bent the curve and got the cases going down, then you could start opening up. Obviously, still wearing masks, still socially distancing, your restaurants doing delivery and and pickup orders, you know, and and whatnot. But then when the cases get out of control, like la county you mm -hmm. can't have businesses open you can't have the pickup orders you can't have you know people outside you know doing what other countries are doing during the pandemic because people aren't listening they're not wearing their masks they're not washing their hands and mm -hmm. you know, so i've said on previous podcasts people's actions have dictated where we're at today, president or no president, no national mm -hmm. plan, no executive orders to, you know, help the states out. It was states were on an island by themselves. It was, it was a free for all. They were betting and, and bidding against other states paying, mm. you know, 10, 20, 30 times for supplies just to get their state supplies. So it was mm -hmm. a, you know, a clusterfuck from the beginning, but yet yeah. as citizens, right. The conspiracy theories aside, the bullshit about, uh, you know, your, the government's telling me how to live and what to do. And, you know, that aside, if everybody had just been doing the basics, the mm -hmm. 415,000 dead today could have been 50,000 dead, a hundred thousand dead. The 130 yes. to 150,000 businesses that have closed could have been a fraction of that, you know? So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's painful to see other countries that don't have the economy we do, that don't have the power we do, but they've got the common sense that we don't. Yes. Their, 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 their citizenry has yeah. that. Correct. Yes. Um, so, you know, speaking of common sense and speaking of unity and coming together, I wanted to 
briefly touch on this story that tore up the internet in the past 24 hours and not don't want to really want to, you know what why it happened but talk about the reaction to it and that of course is this story about uh the national guard members who were uh, sent to dc to guard the capitol clearly some miscommunication happened between leadership at Capitol Police and leadership at the Guard, and they ended up having to uh, take their their rest periods, uh, their breaks in a parking garage. And yeah, that's a shit show, and that's not how we should treat our National Guardsmen and women. Uh, it clearly was a fuck up in communication. But that, but what I want to talk about is the rhetoric that it immediately sparked online, and immediately immediately from people I know very, very well blaming Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. so this is what a Joe Biden presidency is going to look like. This is how much Joe, yeah. Joe respects our troops. This right. is what he thinks of our military. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you not remember what fucking President Trump said about the troops over the summer? Of course you don't, because you're a goddamn goldfish and you don't remember what happened yesterday. Right. But I just, I mean, first of all, anybody saying that is purely ignorant of how the chain of command works in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, it would not be Biden nor anybody from his administration per se. It certainly would not be Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or right. anybody in their offices doing this, you know, it was, it, it's like just fucking like, first of all, read the whole article, not just the headline, read the entire article, which very clearly points out that it had to have been a miscommunication. They're not sure where it happened from, but the directive came from the Capitol Hill police. They don't know who at the Capitol Hill police, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, it, it was a fuck up. It was a mistake. It's terrible. It happened. But that's the problem. That's the problem. We immediately, we immediately are not we, but, you know, people online on the Twitter sphere and shit immediately jump to, oh, here we go. Democrats in control. They're going to start shitting on our military. <laughs> Just, I... I was left scratching my head and I, you know, like sometimes we're want to do Bobby, I just had to engage and <laughs> somebody, uh, very close proximity to me, not Josh, uh, <laughs> no, uh, a, a, a relative of sorts anyway, says to me, her response to my reaction was, oh, here we go. Luke defending Joe, no matter what he does. Yeah. No, I'm no, no, I'm not defending. <laughs> no, I, I, and I even said, even if, if it was fucking Donald Trump, and this happened, I, I, I have the intelligence to know that the president of the fucking United States doesn't make these kind of decisions. You know, like I'm not just blindly defending Joe Biden because he's a Democrat. Uh, you know, I, I am sure when Joe heard about this story, he was appalled and disgusted as everybody else. Like it's just, we have 
to turn the temperature down. Yeah. We have to turn the rhetoric down. We can, we have to stop immediately assuming that the other side has bad intentions. You know, that's that's what we need more than anything and that's why maybe maybe and maybe this is me and my internal optimist coming out giving the country a chance to take a collective breath letting joe biden go ahead and get started with his getting his cabinet in place and then taking up the very important business of holding donald trump accountable for what happened on january 6th yep. we can move forward with a clear head clear mind you know those republicans can really take a good close look at the evidence and i only say it in a joking voice because the evidence has been on tv national television 24 7 since it happened you know there, there's not going to be any surprise witness that pops up here we know what the evidence is but okay republicans say you need to consider your evidence fine as we were discussing before we started uh recording this is pretty Common procedure, if you're charged with a crime in America and you go to your first hearing, you know, your your defense attorney is most likely going to ask for a few weeks to review the evidence and whatnot. And that is pretty, it's pretty standard operating procedure that the judge is going to go ahead and grant that stay, you know, that that time for you to prepare. Um, you know, so we just I just beg of everyone, you know, we just have to find ways to turn the temperature down and remember that our friends and relatives who maybe voted for the man, maybe even supported him, hell, maybe even owns a MAGA hat, not every single one of his supporters were the people or the type of people that did what happened back on the 6th. You know, right. there, there are, there are extremist factions and i will I, i'll be the first to admit on both sides there are extremist factions that just have a wanton desire to cause harm to others that's not the majority that is that is by far and away the minority so if we can just take the rhetoric down just a notch turn the heat down just a bit most foods cook best over medium heat not high heat so, you know, if we can just remember that, maybe Joe's message of if enough of us, not all of us, but enough of us come together, we can, as a nation, get the work of this country done, like getting everyone vaccinated, getting, you know, social justice, you know, I don't know if it'll ever be a hundred percent handled, but at least recognized and work done towards uh, social justice, right. starting to make changes for, for the best for climate change, getting our kids all back in school where they belong, you know, all of these things, if we could just cool it just a little bit and realize that just because, you know, you're being asked to wear a mask or there's a mask mandate, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to take away your civil liberties, okay? I'm just saying that hey, there's some scientific data that says that this could this 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 most likely this helps. So, right. you know, if it if it helps even the littlest of bits, don't you want to do it? 
Right. Now, before we turn down the heat, I do want to turn <laughs> up the heat on Twitter. Um, yeah. By saying, fuck you, Jack Dorsey. Fuck mm -hmm. your executive team, your board members. Uh, it was, you know, it's been known. Okay, so they took a step with Trump and suspended his accounts. And by a flip of the switch, he could be back online and everything else. Well, yeah. the problem with Twitter and, you know, Facebook and other social media platforms is that because 230 is written the way it is, they basically have full autonomy on what gets posted and what they choose to delete. But it was just announced uh, a couple days ago that Twitter refused to remove child porn because it didn't violate their written policy. Yeah, just just real quick interjection here, Bobby. Uh, first of all, I saw that fucking fireball in my chest immediately as somebody who spent a good majority of my lifetime working with kids. It just fucking disgusts me. And second of all, don't turn down the heat or the insistence on credibility or on uh, you know on on on, uh, on the folks like Jack Dorsey and and Mark Zuckerberg. Fuck those guys. Keep the heat on. Full, full, full burn ahead, Bobby. Full burn yeah. ahead. So, <laughs> accountability. That's the word I was searching, accountability. searching for. Absolutely. Yeah. So, fuck Jack Dorsey. Fuck your executive team. Um, I will be removing myself from Twitter this weekend. I will no longer be using Twitter. Uh, I've got businesses associated with that, so we need to have internal conversations about that. But me personally, I will be removing my accounts and will no longer no longer be using Twitter uh, after this weekend. So, and 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 this isn't just the first time. There's been a multitude of these stories, um, you know. And then reporters ask Twitter for you know a response. They don't even respond. So you know, from a you know, I just don't understand how can they say that does not violate their terms of service. In what fucking world does that not violate, oh, I don't know, the law? Therefore, how does it I, not violate their terms of service? Right. Well, you know, like they've always acted, you know, they're independent from any rule or law or, you know, anything like that. So, um, you know, I know Facebook has been, you know, kind of similar um, headlines, you know, in the past and they've addressed it. The, Twitter's not even trying to address it, you know, this time around. And I've, you know, I've had my, you know, my gut feel and I've had, you know, enough of that and am choosing personally to, to remove myself from Twitter and, you know, Facebook could be next and, you know, but until mm -hmm. two 30 gets overhauled, you know, Jack Dorsey and, and, you know, these guys are, are public companies. And, yeah. you know, they have to answer to the board, but, you know, because they make money, the board doesn't push back. And until they're held accountable, there's going to be no pushback. People can, you know, like the New York Post can, you know, publish this story and just millions are outraged, but nothing happens to Twitter. You know, mm -hmm. well, what about, mm -hmm. you know, what about you know, those children, what about their families? What about their friends? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, you know, it is what it is, you know, for now, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that, you know, the Biden administration sooner rather than later starts addressing, 
Section 230. Absolutely. One of the things the Biden administration did address on day one, and this is one of the things that I uh, clapped back at that person that said that I was defending Joe. I was like, well, if this is the kind of thing that I'm defending, then so be it. And that is that the Biden administration on day one, Joe, signed an executive order uh, not expanding uh, necessarily uh, LGBTQ protections, but actually starting to enforce. If you all remember a few months back, uh, thanks to, of all people, Justice Neil Gorsuch, um, because he is a textualist, uh, uh, the Supreme Court uh, backed Bostock versus Clayton County, Georgia, yes. basically saying that uh, in the title seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits <coughs> discrimination based on sex, that also includes people of uh, uh, in the LGBTQ plus community. The Trump administration never really started to enforce it. This, <coughs> excuse me, this executive order now will not only start to enforce it, but will start to enforce it broadly and uh, let me just uh, quote directly from the executive order and Sheldon and team in Seward, Ella, I hope you're listening because this is some good stuff right here coming from Joe Biden, President Biden himself. And I quote, children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room or school sports. <clears throat> Adults should be able to earn a living and pursue a vocation knowing that they will not be fired, demoted, or mistreated because of whom they go home to or because how they dress does not conform to sex-based stereotypes. People should be able to access health care and a secure roof over their heads without being subjected to discrimination. <clears throat> Excuse me. It chokes me up. I am so... <laughs> God, it is, it is <clears throat> just like we said, I got to take a sip of water here. Just like we've always said, LGBTQ rights are human rights. Right. We are not asking for anything different than what every man, woman, and child who is not part of the LGBTQ uh, community already gets. And can I please reiterate to everyone listening, and then you reiterate this to everyone that you know and love, just because I have rights doesn't take away your rights. Just because I have protections doesn't mean that you lose your protections. This is not a zero-sum game. There's not one big pie of equality, and the more I take, the less you get. That's not how this works. It's just saying that everyone, no matter who they love or how they identify, should be treated the exact same as their cisgender uh, heterosexual counterparts. And for Joe Biden to acknowledge that as part of the as one of the executive orders he signed on day one really 
sends a message about what kind of man this is and what kind of administration that uh, he is going to lead. And I, I, I could not be more proud. Uh, I, I am sure that his nominee for, uh, for Secretary of Education, who himself is a former teacher, should sail through the nomination process with no problem. It is so wonderful to see Ding Dong, the, the real witch is dead. Bet Betsy DeVos <laughs> is gone. We'll have a, a teacher, a teacher leading the uh, Department of Education. What a thought. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. And I was just so happy that because Joe could have stopped at just, you know, em employ employment protections, but for right. him to go in and add in specifically add in the line about <clears throat> access to restrooms, locker rooms, and whatever school sport you feel like you should be able to play. I mean, I, I it just, put a smile across my face that that's here again, reading, reading about it again. Well, you know, and he campaigned on this Luke and yep. it's just awesome to see day one. I mean, obviously the transition was a cluster. They, you know, the transparency that Trump and his team were saying they were providing was not the case. Correct. Uh, you know, even on COVID, you know, Biden didn't even have the full transparency until he took office. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, from from what's been reported, people's minds were blown about a lot dealing with just COVID. And yeah. your remarks about L LGBTQ plus beautifully, st uh, be beautifully stated, you know, but this is what Biden campaigned on. And now it's just awesome. They come in day one. Yes, it's just executive orders and their you know legislation needs to follow to put you know all these in you know writing so that somebody you know 2024 if if Biden doesn't get reelected somebody can mm -hmm. come in and just <clears throat> orders taking them out but it's it's a first step. So, yeah. you know, the guy at CNN, you know, that says, well, much of the same with the Biden administration just signing executive orders. It's the fucking first step. It needed to happen. You opened with That's that right. comment at the beginning of our pod. And obviously, this administration is already reaching out and, and they've got a lot of stuff in the works that they want to get passed bipartisan. And but, you know, these executive orders needed to happen because shit needs to happen right now. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the other shit that's happening right now. And, and thankfully, you know, just, just really briefly on the Senate, if you're confused by what's going on in the Senate, uh, don't feel bad. You're not alone. Uh, it is a, a strange situation. It has happened in recent, uh, in recent memory. They were just <clears throat> interviewing Tom, good old Tom Daschle, who had a, a similar situation, uh, back, uh, you know, with Trent Lott when they had a power sharing situation. <clears throat> Sorry. But anyway, the, the Senate is a very archaic institution that, that runs itself on rules that were written uh, decades, if not 100 plus years ago. And one of those rules is that although the Democrats have the majority, 
with Kamala uh, Vice President Harris being the tiebreaker, it's still a 50-50 uh, Senate because uh, Vice President Harris is not always there. Right. She's also the vice president. So what that basically means is that the two leaders, uh, uh, Majority Leader Schumer and now Minority Leader <laughs> Mitch McConnell, <laughs> it makes me feel good to say that, uh, do have to come to an agreement on, you know, they have to basically it's a 50 50 share. The Republicans will continue to lead half of the committees. The Democrats will lead the other committees. Um, Mitch McConnell, who gladly uh, got rid of the filibuster and the filibuster for the uninitiated means that uh, the minority party has to uh, go along, uh, at least 10 members of the minority party have to go along with uh, any legislation to be passed. So it takes 60 votes instead of a simple majority of 51. Uh, Mitch McConnell is basically holding a bunch of very important committees hostage, saying that unless Chuck Schumer puts in writing that he will uh, honor, the, honor the filibuster, that uh, he is going to hold these committees hostage. And unfortunately, if an agreement is not met, it defaults to the previous rules. Well, the previous rules were set by the Republicans when they were clearly in the majority. And that means that the Republicans would get to keep all the committee heads. And that means that Joe Biden's legislation is officially dead in the water. So these things are being worked out. More information to come. Uh, Chuck Schumer is as experienced and as savvy as they get. He's not going to let the turtle get the best of him. So <laughs> just stay tuned. What the Senate was able uh, to accomplish in the first couple of days of the Joe Biden administration is we got a couple of very important uh, cabinet uh, positions uh, uh, filled uh, with overwhelming bipartisan support. Avril Haines becomes the first ever female director of the National Intelligence or uh, director of national intelligence. As we've discussed on the previous pod, the DNI was created after 9-11 because uh, we there was no central hub for all of the intelligence. We have all these different intelligence agencies and nobody was coordinating them and therefore they were not speaking to each other. So uh, congratulations to, Ms., uh, to Secretary Haynes who becomes the first female uh, to be the director of national intelligence. And then also General Lloyd Austin becomes the first ever African-American Secretary of Defense after he was awarded a waiver. Uh, just so you know, people who served in uniforms typically have uniform at Lloyd Austin was a general in the military, typically have to wait for seven plus years to become Secretary of Defense in order to keep the time-honored tradition of separate of civilian leadership of the military, uh, much like <clears throat> Uh, much like uh, um, Donald Trump's first Secretary of Defense, uh, Mr. Austin, or now Secretary Austin, has only been out of the military for about four years. He was granted the the waiver, and by almost, 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 there were two votes against him. I bet you can guess where they came from. Right. But by almost uh, unanimous consent, Lloyd Austin has been confirmed and will be the newest Secretary of Defense, first ever African-American to hold that post. So, some, so we're making good headways. 
uh, my guy, Pistol Pete, had his first, uh, had his hearings. Pete Buttigieg uh, had his hearings for the department uh, for uh, becoming the the secretary of transportation uh, spoke very much about the meeting the he loves he loves this and this couldn't be more true meeting the generational moment uh, we are a country that sits atop a crumbling infrastructure and we need desperately for uh, that infrastructure to be rebuilt and for those jobs that those projects will create and we need to make sure that we're doing that using green energy so yeah. all things that uh, Pete discussed, and I expect him to be confirmed early next week, along with uh, other members of the national security team and uh, foreign services team. Uh, for example, sec- our incoming secretary of state, uh, soon to be confirmed, Anthony Blinken, uh, and the director, incoming uh, director of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and our newest UN ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield. So, you know, <clears throat> putting putting the Senate trial off for just a bit is allowing these things to get done. So not all bad, you know, not not, not all bad. <laughs> so, uh, hey, hey, Bob. Bobby, you were just telling me before we started recording that uh, a certain a certain senator that just got her ass handed to her in the uh, Senate runoff in Georgia is now also uh, she's not going to she's she's losing something else. Yeah, she's losing her her ownership into the Atlanta WNBA basketball team. And it sounds like and looks like that the uh, LeBron James and his team are picking up her ownership. You're damn right. This is something hopefully you all uh, uh, are listening to the gold standard, TK Goldsmith's podcast, I Need a Mulligan. And uh, especially I hope you heard the episode that Bobby and I were on. I mistakenly referred to them, I believe, as the Atlanta Storm. My apologies. They're the Atlanta Dream. But they were one of my top five uh, moments of uh, sporting moments of 2020 because of their outspoken advocacy for the social justice movement over the summer, including wearing T-shirts with seven bullet holes in the back. And then during the Senate campaign, wearing Raphael Warnock for Senate T-shirts during pregame. I mean, that's so a pretty, bad, yeah. <laughs> that is such a flex move. Like yeah. you're wearing T-shirts Flag Absolutely. I mean, ladies, oh my gosh, ladies, my hat is off to you in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> Lucas, what uh, is our high note for today? All right. So <clears throat> the high note for me today is actually quite, quite personal. Uh, as, as as we all know, uh, Joe Biden famously Uh, dealt with a stutter and a stammer issue when he was younger and has worked his entire life to overcome that to the point now that even during the campaign, some people would point to his, sometimes he has to pause uh, before he speaks and people would point to that as a sign of mental decline or some bullshit like that. No, that is a very better myself. That, that is a very commonly used 
uh, tactic to pause, get your moment, get your thought together, and then speak. Very common. Uh, Bobby, I'm sure you know that as well. Uh, also of note, Amanda Gorman, who we opened the pod with, and the beautiful, amazing uh, youth poet laureate, also struggled with a speech impediment when she was a child. And thanks to uh, thanks to <clears throat> uh, speech pathologist was able to overcome it. Something that is uh, very, now Bobby, you just said that you also uh, suffered with a speech impediment at one point. It did. Yep. It was, yeah. it was, it was really bad. Mm -hmm. And it was actually uh, rap music that All right. got me through the pauses, uh, the, you, you know, just going through the song and, and with, you know, working in, it was Milford and Crete and Lincoln, you know, different people. Um, I always turned, you know, to rap music. And at that time, you know, being a little, wee little lad, yeah. and, you know, NWA and ah, Bad like Boys that. and Run DMC and, you know, it, that's what helped me. So I've been listening to rap music since I can remember. So I too, and, and a lot of folks don't know this about me because uh, this, you know, happened much, much younger in my childhood. Yeah. Uh, so as I've discussed on the pod before, I uh, lived uh, in a suburb of Kansas City before I moved to Seward, Nebraska. And from uh, about midway through uh, the first grade until about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, until about, I would say sixth grade, or not sixth grade, about fourth grade or so. Mm -hmm. um, I also uh, had a, you know, a really, you know, a really difficult time. You know, I had a lisp, I had a stammer, uh, I, I, I was a mumbler which I guess now with all these mumble rappers, shoot, maybe, I don't know, anyway. Um, so anyway, I too, yeah, so it, it's great, Bobby. I, we didn't know that about each other. Look at us learning about each other right now. Yeah, um, live, maybe. Yeah, yeah, so live, live on the air. You're hearing it. So yeah, I, mine was really bad, right? Yeah. First it was, you know, kind of reading, like, because when you read something, you can control, like reading aloud, you can control how fast you're reading. Mm -hmm. And thinking of a thought and saying it, I would, I used to have a terrible time, but then if I read something and read something out loud, I quickly found out and, you know, working with, you know, specialists that, you know, slow down, control your reading. And it just, I used to read a lot and then listening obviously to rap music and, you know, those two things together is what really helped me. And, you know, even sometimes today, um, when when I get excited or something like that, I'll, I'll say some shit. I'm like, did I just come out of my mouth? And, <laughs> you know, so, you know, even today, you know, I, I stutter every once in a while, but I, yeah. I try not to on these pods. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And I just remember for me, it was, it completely changed not, you know, and not just my speech, it changed my personality, you know, because I just was suddenly more willing to interact with, uh, 
<laughs> with the world at large. Right. And uh, everybody that knew me in middle school and high school it knows that I developed quite a mouth and have never stopped speaking ever since. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it, it, it's something that has always, you know, I'll, I'll always, always, uh, think of the, the teachers and the spe speech pathologists and even my mom and my sister running, you know, speech exercises with me and whatnot to help me overcome it. And it, it will always be something that I hold near and dear to my heart. And so it should not be surprising at all to anyone that myself and probably you too, Bobby, I, I was very, very, very touched back over the summer during the convention, we met young Braden Harrington. Braden Harrington, young man, young boy, uh, who had quite a, a, a speech impediment himself, a stammer, a stutter that Joe met. Uh, these were in the uh, before times when you could actually <laughs> have in-person rallies. And Joe met this young man and Joe gave this young man his number and said, I'm going to be there to help you. You're going to get over, you know, this just the same way that I got over this. We're going to work together and we're going to get you through. And Braden uh, spoke about that very, very eloquently during the convention, bringing a tear to my eye like it did to millions of others. And then I, and I had no idea that this was happening, but watching the inaugural concert for America, uh, there was a segment where several people, uh, starting with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, read uh, passages from former president's inauguration, uh, inaugural addresses, some of the more famous ones. And all of a sudden, you know, it's celebrity and celebrity, and then up pops young Braden Harrington to read perhaps the most famous inaugural address of all time, the words that JFK spoke at his one and only inaugural. And so I'll lead you, leave you all today with young Braden Harrington reading a, a, the most famous excerpt of JFK's inaugural address. Yeah, I'm not hearing it, Luke. Is that not working? I don't know. Hold on. Is that not coming through? No, I'm not hearing it. Ah, hold on. Hold on. I gotcha. Oh, I'm not going to let this moment slip away. Let me get... Hold on. Sorry, guys. <laughs> ah, see? See? See it? See, everybody? This is what happens. Here we go. Let's try doing it this way. Share. All right. And here. Let's roll it back. And did you catch that? Do it again. Yeah, I'm not I'm not hearing I'm not hearing it. Ah, oh, why is it not working today? What am I doing wrong, Bobby? 
Hey, well, why don't you uh, copy that link and post it in the chat, and then I'll load it on my on my end and try to play it and see if you can hear it. All right. Thought I had it all queued up, man. Hold on a second here. Hey, this is the beauty of, of you know recording live from two different locations. This is what we do, folks. This is how we do. That's right. <laughs> Pop it up here. There it is. But let me uh, share now. Let's do the teen. Oh, you know what? I bet. I I think I know. I, I I'm an idiot. But if you can do it, excellent. Okay, one sec. <laughs> In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us will exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Phenomenally sad. You could not tell that he had any stutter whatsoever. So that was awesome. I mean, that was my whole my whole thing when he did it. I mean, he just did it perfectly you know and i'm sure he practiced it over and over again but it was just fantastic and i could not have felt uh more proud for the young man so there you go you've been listening to unfiltered with bobby and luke politics tech entertainment global headlines real and raw real and raw finally a podcast with real talk and no bullshit we hope you enjoyed the show but if we pissed you off that's okay too find us on facebook and twitter at bobby and luke on instagram at unfiltered with bobby and luke and on linkedin at unfiltered dash with dash bobby dash and dash luke how many dashes do we need there fellas my god anyway make sure to like rate and review and of course leave a comment and check out the website at bobbyandluke.com this is unfiltered signing off